Welcome to the week one preview episode of Walk On Red Shirts podcast here uh, with your hosts, me, Aaron, as well as Jake and intern Gibble, who is going to be forever an intern here on our podcast. Um, There's a chance he could get promoted. There is a chance. Uh, there is a potential for a research assistant um, that he he already does the job for. Whether we want to give him the title of it uh, is up to us. We'll see how he performs as the season progresses. Um, and if he doesn't perform like a round one draft pick, then he's going to remain an intern for forever. Um, anyway, we had college football this past Saturday, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, and it was probably the most football is back um, two games you could possibly have, uh, if we're being honest. You had two rivals playing the sloppiest game you'll see in a while. Um 10,000 penalties in that game. Uh, 10,000 missed tackles as well. Um, and on the other side, you had an incredible finish that nobody saw because it was on CBS Sports Network. The and it worst. finished at 3 in the morning. Yeah. the. Let me tell you this, folks. I will not sit here and tell you guys to watch any football game on CBS Sportsnet. It is the worst channel. Um, as so everything, boring. It, it looks like it's straight out of like 2000, like every all the setup of it. The announcers are boring. Um, but yeah, I mean, that thing, an incredible finish. I feel like everybody saw the ending of that with Khalil Tate's run, and we'll get into that. But um, an incredible finish to one game that nobody saw, and the game that everybody saw was super sloppy. So, welcome back to college football, everybody. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, a little later on. We'll preview week one. Uh, I think we have a slate of about 10 games we'll kind of go over, make some spread picks, uh, talk about the games, uh, what we want to see uh, going in. Um, first real week, I guess, of college football here coming up. I am super excited to just sit my ass on the couch and just lay there the whole day um, and just watch college football. And, yeah, there's probably not a ton of great games, probably not uh, some super entertaining things going on, but... I'm ready for it. I'll watch anything at this point. Uh, I mean, it is. I watched the two FCS games that we had this past weekend, or at least I watched most of the Youngstown uh, Stanford game. Um, shout out Bo Pelini and company coming home with the victory on that one, um, and then Villanova I think beating Colgate in the other one, which I bet on Colgate. So screw them, damn toothpaste company. Ugh. Anyway. I can't believe you guys don't want to go to a Youngstown State football game. I do they play anybody like from like FBS or any like FCS teams that I'd like to see? Like they host North remember, Dakota State. We are six hours away from here. There, uh, well, probably a little less, but that's like three hours for me too. So, so uh, it's a bit of a drive to see some F. CS football, some subdivision football there. Um, Why would I give up sitting on my couch watching every game to watch an FCS game? Because I can get us tickets to the 50-yard line. That's neat. Well, I can get tickets on the 50-yard line on StubHub, too, for like $3, probably. I mean, it's <laughs> uh, Youngstown State. Um, not a, not exactly, you know, the Appalachian states of the world. Um, Yet. Well, they're gonna have a steep climb because then they go like they went like four and eight last year or something like that. They were not good. Um, the Bo Pelini stock dropped quite quite a bit. Details. 
just just minor details minor details there um anyway let's talk a little bit about the big game of last weekend the one everybody wants to talk about uh arizona and hawaii uh (laughs) i think that was i think that was the only game that happened this past weekend i don't remember any other ones you had me in the first half uh um Hawaii coming away with 45-38 victory over Arizona. Uh, I know one of us on the podcast here took Hawaii plus 11. That would be me um, going 2-0 in the first week of the season. Uh, you two fellows went with Arizona uh, minus 11. Um, this is a rough start for Kevin Sumlin's team. Uh, this was a game that I think Arizona kind of needed to come away with a victory uh, against a, a group of five school in Hawaii. But when you when you go to the island, man, it's it's Nightmare Island. You, you ain't going for a vacation. You're going to get your butt whooped by the Rainbow Warriors. Uh, old Cole McDonald and company down there um, looking good. Um, Khalil Tate, though, looks good as well. I mean, he had two interceptions, I believe, in the game. But he, he looked like he did in 2017, uh, which is going to be good for Arizona because they're going to need every bit of it because that defense is awful. Um, they just got graded like Swiss cheese by that uh, Hawaii offense um, and already going to probably end up with one of the top 10 endings in college football this season. Uh, if you missed it, go seek it out. Uh, Khalil Tate running, what was it, like 30, 40 yards uh, on a Hail Mary attempt, just tucked it, ran, uh, made some guys miss, uh, but couldn't make the last guy miss. Uh Fell short at the one-yard line. Uh, Hawaii ends up taking the victory. Um, it's two guys that took Arizona in this game at a minus 11. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I knew about uh, five minutes into the game that minus 11 wasn't going to happen anymore. Yes, yeah, uh, <laughs> The one thing you did did forget to mention is that Cole McDonald, even though he had you know almost 400 yards passing, he also got benched because he also threw four interceptions. Um, and Chevin... Cordero, I guess that's how you say his name. I wasn't awake at this point when he came in to be the quarterback. Well, that's why uh, I didn't know he got benched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was 5 of 7, 58 yards and a touchdown. But Cole McDonald got benched uh, sometime towards the end of the game after he threw his fourth interception. Yeah, uh, I saw that he had, uh, I think I saw like his third interception maybe was happened while I was still awake. Um, before CBS Sportsnet put me to sleep. Um, yeah, so I, I knew that for a while, I was like, oh, no, he's not going to be great. And going into halftime, it looked like Arizona was probably going to start kind of taking, might start going up and then start pulling away from Hawaii in the second half, which I was worried about. But, um, yeah, did not know that he actually got benched. I actually didn't look look that deep into it. Apologies, folks. It, the yeah. game ended at 3 in the morning, so what does any of us know? <laughs> yeah, that that first quarter though from the game d- just looked terrible from Arizona. They couldn't move the ball and put up zero points against Hawaii, who they were supposed to beat by eleven. So that was just a terrible start, and they just never fully recovered from it. Even though they did score twenty one in the second quarter, they just it just wasn't never enough. Khalil Tate had me like negative fantasy points to like five minutes left in the first quarter. I was actually going to be worried if uh, he was ever going to do anything. And then, sure enough, he throws for 361 yards and rushes for 100, another 108. So, you know, if he kind of gets his group back, then you know, maybe they can put something together. But Arizona, 
it's going to be a rough season for them because the schedule is not kind to them this year. No, I mean, like I said, this was a game that I think they, they kind of had to win. Um, it's a, you know, Hawaii is a bowl team from last year, but still, I mean, when you look at the talent levels and stuff on both sides of the football, um, Kevin Sumlin being, you know, a pretty decent head coach at prior stops at least. Uh, but very clearly this team does not have a defense, and, and that's going to be problematic going in here once they eventually get into Pac-12 play. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Nightmare Island strikes again. The uh, Rainbow Warriors coming away with a win. And a lot of why I picked them at plus 11 um, – I really a lot of the times when it comes to betting, and this is I've won two March the my last two March Madness brackets doing the same thing. Is there's always like just one small little thing. I don't like look at the numbers. I don't look at you know a bunch of stuff like that. I strictly remember Hawaii last year in Week Zero being a 17 point underdog or whatever, and then beating Colorado State outright. And I was like, well, you know, now they get a home game in Week Zero, and you know they're an underdog again by. 10 plus points. I was like, throw it on Hawaii. Hawaii's coming away with a victory. Thought about it from last year. Take them again this year. Next year, I hope they play week zero. If they play Alabama, I'll take whatever the spread is on Hawaii in that game, too. Um, keep rolling, Rainbow Warriors. Make another bowl game. Love the Hawaii Bowl. Always a good good time. Great time. Uh, intern Gibble, you got anything else you want to mention on uh, this Hawaii game? No, Khalil Tate, um, he, did, he did put up good numbers without the interceptions he would have had um uh, i mean he's he's one of the names that we mentioned before for for heisman potential um put up a lot of stats in this game but the two picks it's not a great start for him so it's it's definitely somebody to keep an eye on as the season goes along all right uh let's get into miami and florida i've got a lot to say on this one because this one's going to sit with me for a little while um Obviously, going into the game, uh, I think all of us took Miami plus seven and a half. We and we all were right. winning that. Correct. Um, I know a lot of Florida Florida fans chirping at us before the game, saying they were going to, oh, Florida's going to cover, it's going to be blah, whatever. Um, Gibble calling out a Florida fan afterwards. That was great. Yeah, and that's why intern Gibble is, might end up getting a promotion somewhere down the line. Um Big takeaways from this, I mean, the game was a mess, um, really start to finish for both teams. Florida could not tackle. Uh, Miami had some issues on missed tackles, namely on the long Florida touchdown, uh, first touchdown of the game. Um, On that, but outside of that, I think they were a little bit better on the missed tackles. The defense found their own, especially once the turnover chain came out, which 305, I love it. I'm, I'm with it. I can't wait. Um... Outside of that, on Miami's end, uh, a lot of penalties and a lot of it stemmed from very bad offensive line play. Outside of two trick wildcat plays with DJ Dallas, they didn't really have uh, much in the way of running the ball. Um, on top of just Jaron Williams not having any time to throw. And, and some of the sacks, I think I think Florida racked up 10 sacks in that game. Uh, 15 tackles for loss. Just astronomical numbers. Um uh, and I saw they divvied it up. I think seven of them were technically on Williams, although some of those were also counted on him because uh, there were just f- free guys running at him uh, without a blocker. Uh, 
so just a, a bad job of picking up blitzes um, and all that. Uh, you know, it's a freshman left tackle who was a two-star prospect that was committed to Appalachian State um, this past cycle um, on top of a redshirt right tackle as well. So I didn't think it was going to end up being that bad, but, man, some of those snaps, I mean, they had the timings down right for Florida's defensive linemen. Uh, Grenard and Zaniga looked like real beasts. Uh, I'll hand it to Florida there. They, they dominated Miami on that stretch. Um and then Florida had some dumb pass interference calls uh, on them there in that fourth quarter, just tearing down receivers. They didn't need to do that at all. Um, they could have just let their pass rush go at them. Um, and that that kind of played a big part into it as well. Um, but f- on Miami's side, there's a lot of reasons why they lost that game. It was a lot of that. It was uh, the Jeff Thomas muffed punt that led to a Florida touchdown where Felipe Franks, you know, throw an accurate pass for once and thought he was the best quarterback on the planet um which he's not uh we'll just throw it out there now i've been Um, roasting felipe thanks on twitter for like three days now i well you hit the nail on the head i mean he is baker mayfield if baker mayfield never picked up a football or whatever you said Um, yeah i mean i mean he's just he's you saw those bad like when they got the ball back there and the first play he just threw it to three white jerseys like just run the ball or something like that's on dan mullen too for not calling a run player whoever the play caller is for florida but still i mean that was an awful decision on his part and he kind of showed it there so i mean he's lucky they got away with a victory there as well um it's also you know if bubba Baxham makes that chip shot field goal floor miami's not going for a touchdown there at the end they're going for a field goal um again and makes life a little bit easier to try and get in the field goal range so a lot of things that'll stick with me a little bit just how bad that offensive line play was and how close Miami was to pulling out a victory there if if a few other things break right Um, the other big notable thing to come out of that Miami now has touchdown knuckles which (laughs) I love this I love this school so much I mean (laughs) I can I can pass on the touchdown knuckles yeah Yeah, I'm I'm here for the turnover chain the touchdown knuckles are a bit much they had to get something for the offense though I mean (laughs) did they though yeah did you have you did you watch a Miami game last year that offense was putrid you gotta do something (laughs) you gotta do something to get that offense going and you see it with the turnover change with with the defense. I mean, once the chain came out, I mean, Miami's defense played a lot better throughout the course of the rest of the game. And I think Manny's trying to do the exact same thing as it pertains to the offense is to get those guys, you know, you score a touchdown, like, all right, let's, let's keep rolling, let's keep going. Um, so I'm here with it. I'm here for it. I can't wait for there to be a pick six so a guy gets to wear both. Um, that's going to be great. I didn't even think about that. I'm here for that. I'm actually here for that. <laughs> that was actually a big question. Uh, some of the Miami accounts I follow, that was a big question. I guess Manny Diaz did answer on the radio that um, that will be the case. If a guy does a pick six or a fumble recovery or whatever, he gets to wear both. Um, so I'm, I'm here for that. I can't wait. Um, but that's all I really have on the Miami-Florida game. As a Miami fan, I wanted to go a little more in-depth with that. Uh, what are your guys' takes on that game? My main take is, other than nobody knows how to tackle, apparently, 
anybody in that entire game thought tackling was optional. It looked like they were playing two-hand touch it for a while. The last drive of Miami, I went back to look at it again because it was just an abomination. Miami had 10 plays and went negative two yards. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it was bad. I mean, you you saw, we all saw, like, what happened, too. Like, I mean, Miami was, there was no chance they were going to get that fourth down. And Florida's receiver just drags the dude to the ground, or cornerback drags the receiver to the ground. Uh, and it's just like, what are you doing, man? It was like, fourth <laughs> like it was fourth and 34, and somehow you get a pass interference call. Like, dude, you don't touch him at all. And instead, he just, like, put his shoulder into his helmet practically, well, if I remember the play right. And they'd called, they'd called a bunch of, like, ticky-tack uh, pass interference. I had said it on Twitter. Like, there was a few. The first two on Miami were, were pretty ticky-tack earlier in the game. And I was like, well, if they're going to call it that way, I was like, when it's 4th and 34, I was just like, bomb one deep to Jeff Thomas or somebody and just watch Florida State get flagged. I was like, guaranteed it's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. Now, it wasn't ticky-tack. I mean, he literally threw the receiver to the ground like an idiot. So... Um, that was the most clear pass interference call the entire game, and it came at the worst possible moment for my era for Florida when they, it was fourth and thirty-four to give them <laughs> brand new set of I downs. mean, the one thing you don't do is just pass interference on that. Like, let the guy catch the ball. Like, there's two guys around him. Like, I mean, granted, they couldn't tackle with shit. So yeah, Jeff Thomas probably ends up with a touchdown if they don't uh, drag him to the ground. But still, I mean, it, it was one of those things that. And then you see another pass interference down the line. Again, they dragged the guy to the ground or whatever. Uh, and then a third one that got called back, which when they threw the flag on that, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, Miami's going to win this on three pass interference flags. Oh, and I was like, laughing and I was hoping it was going to happen. One quick pass or something. Like, they're going to have three sacks on this drive, three pass interference calls, and end up winning this game. And... When they caught it back, I was like, well, that's the game. I was like, there's not a chance. Miami's not going to score a touchdown here. Um, and Florida just went back, blitzed them a few more times. Williams ended up on the ground. And that was the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a bit of a disappointment, uh, especially with Miami being as close as they were. I know a lot in the lead-up I had said that I don't think they'd win the game. Um, but obviously my mood on that changes as that game's progressing, taking a lead in the halftime and all that stuff. So, uh, but I actually, I, I will say I liked a lot from what I saw from Miami. If they can get that O-line short up, which they have North Carolina, Bethune-Cookman, and uh, Central Michigan the next three weeks uh, and a bye week this week. So I think by the time they get to the Virginia and Virginia Tech games, I think they'll be a little bit better uh, and more experienced too. I mean, a, a two-star left tackle prospect starting his first game against an SEC defensive line. I don't know why I thought that would end up going better as, than it did, um, but it clearly did not. Um, and same on the right tackle side, uh, redshirt freshman. So, I mean, I'm not terribly shocked, but I was definitely hoping it would be a little bit better than what it ended up with. And I liked a lot from what I saw with Jaron Williams and, and Manny Diaz and stuff, but They'll get things right. I'm not worried about it. I know I've heard people tell me, like, oh, like maybe only eight wins this year. I'm not seeing it. I still saw a talented team that, as the season progresses, I think they're going to get better and better. Um, I think it's just experience. You know, two guys starting their first time on the offensive line. I think the center might have been his first start, too. First start for the quarterback. Um, 
it's going to take a little bit of time. Playing an SEC team that hard in the first game of the season, a lot to like in my opinion. Um, Trying not to be too upset about it, but it is what it is. Um, anything else you guys got on this game? For for a positive on Jaron Williams, I think his decision-making was actually not too bad. He didn't throw a pick in the game, um, and he was – I mean, he obviously had zero time in the pocket, but he it's, didn't really make terrible mistakes. It's 50-50. Um, he needs to get rid of the ball, obviously. And yeah, I love Kirk Herbstreit, but if I have to listen to him say one more time during that game – Jaron Williams needs to just to get rid of the ball. He needs to learn how to get rid of the Yeah, no well, shit, does. Herbie. Like, <laughs> we're all watching the same game. Why don't you go on the sideline and tell the kid? Like, uh, he said it. Game. He, yeah, he might as well have. He said it like eight times during the game. And I was just like, Kirk, I love you. You're like my favorite person in college football to talk that talks college football. But please, for the love of God, if I have to hear you say it one more time, like, as if you're talking directly to the kid. I'm sitting at my at my house drinking a beer. I have no line of communication to tell Jaron Williams to get rid of the ball. I, I'm sorry. I don't. I wish you don't I have, did. You don't have a uh, mic into his ear? <laughs> yeah, apparently I'm not. <laughs> well, you need to get on that. So that was super frustrating as well. But, like, other than that, I mean, we'll see as the season goes. But I'm not terribly worried. I still think they're going to end up winning the Coastal. But we'll see as the, the season progresses. On, on the other side, for Florida – you have a lot to be concerned about with Felipe Franks. I mean, obviously people were hyping him up as a Heisman contender, but there's no shot of that. The man had a 38.6 QBR Any, for the game. Anybody <laughs> hyping Felipe Franks to, to be a Heisman contender, jump off a bridge. <laughs> it's, it's not happening, man. I, he just isn't good. That good. He's not good. I mean, they scored a touchdown, what, when they started off at, like, the 20-yard line when Thomas muffed the ball. Like, he didn't do a whole lot that game. He didn't actually do and, anything. And he threw a screen pass that went for 75 yards. Take that yeah. away, and he had, what, like, 38 yards in the first half? Yeah. yeah or I, something I like that? that line. It was, like, yeah. six of eight he, for, like, 60 yards or something like that. Yeah. yeah. He hit a screen pass that the dude, you know... Miami had like eight missed tackles on the play, but yeah, um, and that was most of his yardage right there. But I mean, on top of that, like he was able um, between the two quarterbacks, it was clear that Frank's played has played more because he was actually able to get the ball away under pressure a little bit better. I think Miami Miami only had one sack, but I know they ended up having quite a bit of pressure on him uh, as that game progressed. But he was able to get the ball out. Um, unfortunately, he made that dumb mistake at the end that put Miami back in the situation where we saw the wonkiest finish <laughs> um, you might see all year, um, just in terms of all the penalties and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't think he's that great, and I think it showed. Uh, I think between those two, and I know it's probably a, a homer thing to say, I think that game is more of an indictment on what you're going to see from Florida this year than it is on Miami, considering one team was a eight-point favorite almost. Um, and struggled to even win the game. They were down at halftime or whatever. Uh, but that's kind of my takeaway on it. Um, I think Florida's defense looks good. Um, I think they're going to be good as long as they can learn how to tackle. Um, they they can get pressure up front, but um, we'll see. I don't. Looking at that team, and, and there's plenty of time to go in the season for Florida, so I'm not writing them off. But that team right there, gotta have improvements before that team plays Georgia, or else they're going to get mud stomped. Um, 
in that game. So the only last thing I want to add is Brevin Jordan is for real as a tight end. That dude can play. And I was reading tight end you. Yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure it's Iowa, but okay. Um, and then <laughs> Iowa. They feed everybody corn out there. And I was reading some of the Florida fans' reactions after the game, and there's a fair amount of them that think that Felipe Franks is going to get benched by the end of September for the um, young kid, Emory Jones. They think that he might have some more potential and less arrogance. That'd be good for them. I think if you don't see Emory Jones start um, or get into games and stuff like that, I I wouldn't be shocked if he left the program. I mean, it's one of those situations we see guys, you know, that are super talented that have to ride the bench. And I mean, it damn near happened with Jaron Williams. He almost transferred this past offseason because he didn't get any playing time last year. Um, but where a, a kid that talented, if he really is that talented, might, if, if the, he keeps watching Felipe Franks crap the bed, um, and just not play well and thinks he can be better, he might just leave the program because he thinks, you know, uh, I'm not getting a fair shot here. I'm I'm out. Um, I'm not saying that's happening. I don't have sources on that. I'm just saying with the uh, frequency of guys going in and out of the transfer portal and stuff nowadays, I wouldn't be shocked if that happens if, if they just don't let him see the field at all um, if he continues to play that way. For sure. All right, guys, uh, let's get into our week one preview here. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, we're going to run down 10 games here, talk a little bit about each of them. Um, I think I have this set relatively in order of when the games actually are. Um, we'll pick our, you know, who we're picking for the spread and stuff like that as we keep track, uh, who we think might win the game, stuff like that. Um, so let's get kickstarted here with UCLA at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a two and a half point favorite currently this game is thursday on espn at seven o'clock it is the pat mcafee matt hasselbeck game uh an adam amin game super excited for that um ucla and cincinnati played last year i believe cincinnati traveled to ucla beat them 26 17 um michael warren is back for the uh cincinnati bearcats i think he ran for a buck something last year and three touchdowns uh over the course of the season, I think he ran for 1,300 yards and like 19 or 20 touchdowns as well. Uh, so he's a beast in the backfield uh, for that Cincinnati Bearcats team. UCLA, though, played like crap the first half of the season. Their last four games, the offense, that Chip Kelly offense, started to turn it on a bit. I think they averaged about 32 points a game over that span. Uh, did not make a bowl game, uh, which I think is why we're seeing the number where it is at two and a half. I think there's a lot of hype behind UCLA coming into the season after the way they finished off last season. Uh, pass it over to you, Jake. What's your thoughts on this game? I think this game is going to be – I think the line's accurate. Um, this game, I want to say talent-wise, is actually closer than what people think just because UCLA is a Power 5 school and Cincinnati is not. People commonly think that the talent level is vastly different. But UCLA was kind of left bare when Chip Kelly got there. Um, there was a couple players with talent, but there wasn't a ton. One guy on defense, I guess he is questionable, is Darnay Holmes, who's a cornerback. Um, one of the better cornerbacks in the Pac-12. He could give uh, Cincinnati some fits uh, if they try throwing the ball at all. Um, 
you know, last year Cincinnati started a true freshman at quarterback with Desmond Ritter. Um, it's a like based on my research, he came in during the UCLA game last year and helped them win that game. Um, you know, he threw 20 touchdowns, five interceptions, so um, played fairly well. It's going to be huge for them, especially at home. That gives them a little bit extra advantage. Now that UCLA has that much of a home field advantage because they play in the Rose Bowl, which is like an hour from their campus. Um, but this is going to be really, really close. Um, I still, I've looked at this game for a while, and I still don't know which way I'm picking. All right. Um, pass it over to you, intern Gibble. I'll give you a little bit more time to make your decision on that. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I think this one, this one's just a toss-up. I think that, like Jake said, the talent level is is pretty close to the same. Um, the only thing that I think really can give an edge to Cincinnati is they they have a little bit more experience that came back than uh, UCLA did. But um, yeah, I just don't. I really got no idea which way I'm going either. I'm just gonna do it on the fly. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, I look at this and I see two teams that play relatively different. I mean, when you look at Cincinnati, they're going to play hard-nosed defense. Um, and they're going to pound the ball with their running game on offense. Quarterback, you know, he's going to throw his 20 passes or whatever throughout the course of the game. Uh, try to limit mistakes. Uh, UCLA is going to come out uh, firing on that offense. Uh, they return a lot up there. Um I know. I think Joshua Kelly's back at running back for him, um, and they're going to have a high-powered offensive attack. Uh, whether that makes, whether they can make a dent in that Cincinnati defense is going to be questionable. Uh, I'm looking at this. I like Cincinnati being at home as well. I think that plays a big factor into it. Um, coming off the game last year, but I, I'm going to go with UCLA in here because I do think UCLA is going to have a bounce-back season. Uh, and in order to do that, it's gonna have to. They're gonna have to beat Cincinnati here with Oklahoma coming up in a few weeks. And I think there's a sense of urgency on that team. I mean, Chip Kelly more losses last season than he did his entire time at Oregon, uh, which is crazy to think about. Um, so I think they're gonna get a hot start here. Cincy. At the same time, though, I, I think about Cincy. It's going to be a night game, Nippert Stadium, one of the oldest stadiums in college football. It's going to be rocking. It's going to be loud. Um, but I'm going to take UCLA here. Uh, I, I like their quarterback situation a little bit better. Um, and even though it doesn't always work out for me, I love me some offense, so I'm going to go with the offense over the defense. Um, and I'll take UCLA plus 2.5 there um, for sure. Intern, I'll let you go. Yeah, I, I think I'm just going to go home team on this one. Cincinnati night game, opening game of the season, I think they're going to get hyped for it. Um, I think I'm going to take Cincy at home. and I mean, two and a half is way too small to say that UCLA would cover, so I'm going Cincy minus two and a half. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, intern. I think uh, at home, I think that's the difference. You know, they usually say wherever you're at is worth three points. So they're essentially saying because it's in Cincinnati, that's why they have the advantage. Uh, if this was played on neutral site, you'd be almost looking at a push. So I'll go with Vegas. I'll, I'll say two and a half for Cincinnati. 
That's fair. Uh, you guys got to play catch up anyway here, so exactly. Uh, well, it's one game. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going undefeated this season, so it's fine. Um, sure, it's gonna take a lot. You're not winning um, from here on out now. Now, my... just like that, <laughs> you're going zero and ten this week, and I hope you realize that. <laughs> Probably. Um, the other thing that I look at Cincinnati, and, and next week they have to travel. They got to go up across the state or whatever to Columbus. I don't know the geography. An hour and a half. Um, Ohio that well. You've been to Cincinnati. Okay, that doesn't mean I know the geography. I know Cleveland and Cincy aren't close to each other. He told me that seven times on that trip. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and Columbus is like in the middle of the state. Uh, I know I asked a few years ago about the Miami Toledo game, and you told me that's far away from Columbus as well. I don't know. I just assumed everything, all the big cities in Ohio were like close together, but as it turns out, none of them are. So no. Um, yeah, but anyway, they got to travel to wherever since he is to wherever Columbus is. I, since he's south because it's Kentucky. Um, speaking of Kentucky, breaking news I saw today: they are serving Skyline Chili at the games this year. So Kentucky confirmed to not make a bowl game this season. Um, <laughs> Absolutely confirmed. <laughs> um, we'll move on here. Another Thursday night game. We have Georgia Tech traveling. Uh, the schedule gods not doing him any favors. Georgia Tech starts the season traveling to number one ranked Clemson. Uh, Clemson is a 36-point favorite here. Um, this is Thursday night on the brand-new ACC Network at 7 o'clock. Um, I'm just going to get it out of the way. I think Clemson covers a 36. Uh, I... I'm a little tempted to not take it. It's hard to think like this early in the season, especially seeing that Florida Miami game where there's a slop fest. But I don't think there's going to be a ton of sloppy play from Clemson early on. Maybe their defensive line getting a bunch of guys in there uh, who didn't start last year that much. Um, maybe that's a little bit of a fit for him. But I don't think Georgia Tech's doing anything offensively or defensively in this game. It's Jeff Collins' first game, uh, a ton of new talent. They don't even have a; they're not even running a depth chart this year, apparently, from what I heard. Um, it's just basically like whoever the better guy is gets to play or whatever. I, I something stupid like that. Um, very woke football by Jeff Collins. Um, so I'm gonna just take I'm gonna take Clemson to win. I think they ended up winning this game like 52 nothing. If I'm being honest, I, I'm sorry Georgia Tech fans. I it's gonna take a little while for that team to get rolling and facing Clemson on the road and at Clemson on a Thursday night is the worst possible way to start this season. Uh, so apologies, but I'm taking Clemson to cover 36. And, I feel like I'm Desmond Howard last year when they made them pick the Tennessee-Alabama game. Like, why is this game even on our docket almost? Like, this is a bloodbath waiting to happen. Um, well, it's on the docket because, I mean, I'm not going to bother asking you who you think is going to win the game straight up. But, fair. like, 36 is a lot of points to cover um, for any team, really. I mean, you're, you're talking about five touchdowns here. So This is going to be bad. Like... Georgia Tech might be able to play some decent defense um, and get a couple stops in the second half when Trevor Lawrence isn't playing anymore. Uh, 36 is a lot of points, and I want to. I read somewhere that 
a lot of uh, how many games Clemson didn't cover last year was like more than half, I believe. I'm going to take Georgia Tech to cover 36. I think they win by 35, which is still covering. <laughs> I, I think they're going to almost cover. <laughs> I think they get. <laughs> I think they get all five of those touch or all those touchdowns, but they don't. They don't get the extra point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, intern, give what do you got here for Clemson and Georgia Tech? I mean, I see Georgia Tech maybe somehow scrapping out like seven to ten points. But I think Clemson is just going to manhandle them. I, it, it, Georgia Tech's running a pro-style offense and changing out of that triple option. Like It's not going to be a good year for them. And first game at Clemson, just it's going to be so bad for them. And I feel bad that they even have to play this game. And I think Clemson is just going to roll them and definitely cover. All righty. So that is Clemson, uh, Clemson for intern Gibble, and then Georgia Tech for Jake. Um, more specifically, Georgia Tech only losing by thirty-five points, <laughs> not thirty-six. Uh, <laughs> I think they went uh, by five touchdowns, which technically <laughs> means Georgia Tech covers. I just think, like, to be honest with you, I just don't. Even, I don't even see Georgia. I see Georgia Tech maybe squeaking out a field goal. I don't know if their field goal kicker is even good. So, like. That's even hard for me to look at and say, well, Georgia Tech will score that. So I'm looking at it like, okay, can Clemson score 36 points in this game at some point? Yes. <laughs> All right, that's who I'm taking to cover. Um, <laughs> so, Makes a lot of sense. All right, let's move on. We got our last Thursday game here on the docket. The Holy War, um, the best rivalry name in college football. Number 14, Utah, is a five-and-a-half-point favorite going on the road to play BYU, their arch-rival. Um, and this is Thursday on ESPN at 10 o'clock, right after the UCLA-Cincinnati game. So pretty good doubleheader you got there if you got ESPN uh, to check out here on Thursday night. We are um, Well, this will come out Wednesday, so we're a day away from it. So uh, we're getting there. Uh, again, Utah, a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Uh Heavy predictions on them winning a pack of the Pac-12 by a lot of news sources out there. Um, what do you got on this, Jake? This is going to be a fun game. Uh, love seeing rivalry game in Week One. You know, I loved seeing Miami and Florida in Week One. Uh, I'm sure Utah and BYU would rather not be playing it in Week One, but uh, it's more enjoyment for me. Uh, I am pretty big on the Utah bandwagon. Um, I think this is. I think Utah is going to win by about ten points. This is Zach the Utah is team, team. Let's not forget, folks. This is the Utah team that Lee Corso picked to play in the championship game, not the Pac-12 championship. Picked them to play Alabama for the college football championship, and that um, also means beating Clemson yeah, somehow oh, to man. get there. When that graphic showed up, I was just like, "Wow." Lee Corso loves him some Utah football. <laughs> Holy hell. Uh, I mean, I like Utah too, but that, I mean, I haven't seen anybody say they're going to even make the, the, the playoffs, let alone be in the title game. Um, so that's, that was a bit of a wild pick. Um, what about you, intern Gibble? What do you got on this? I am big on uh, Tyler Huntley. I think he's he's going to be pretty good, and Zach Moss behind him. Um, I think I think that duo 
will put up a lot of points in this game. Um, does does BYU have have a hype crowd? Does do they have that fear factor at home? They don't drink, <laughs> so no. Um, so Utah definitely covers. <laughs> My big takeaway on this is largely the holy uh, the holy war is a pretty close game. I think in the last like ten meetings or so, it's been settled by a score or less. I think, um, and most of them. Um. So I'm looking at it. Uh, Utah has to replace a lot of key parts on defense. I think they'll be good as the season progresses. This is really a must-win game for BYU. They have a pretty tough schedule, especially in September. Um, That's going to make looking at a bowl game tight if they don't win this game. Um, But I don't know. I'm rolling with Utah, too, on this. I just think... um, They'll pull away. I don't think they win by too much, but I think they can cover and they'll win by at least six points. I think you're looking at at least a touchdown, maybe two. Um, again, it's week one. Teams are probably going to be relatively sloppy. You have a lot of change, a lot of um, players you have to replace early on. So uh, I'll take Utah to win, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be a, a blowout game. Both teams were in the top 25 in um, points allowed last year. And they both are uh, both have some key returners there. So I'm guessing you're going to see more of a low-scoring game. I'd be surprised if either team got to 30. I think you could be seeing like a 24-17 kind of game out of this. That makes sense. Um, let's get into our other potential blowout of the weekend. Moving on to Saturday here, we got number two Alabama uh, playing Duke. This game is going to take place in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Alabama is a 35-point favorite. Um, Jake, do you think they're only going to win by 34? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 uh, I had somebody on Twitter tell me that Duke was going to win in a blowout. So I really, Block really em. hope that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. There are... Hot takes, and then there's just stupid takes, and that's a stupid take. That is not a hot take. So I put polls out today uh, of who was going to win. I did a bunch of these games, um, and I actually put Alabama and Duke on here, and the final results were Alabama 73%, Duke 27%, So, and we had 101 votes. That means 27 people voted for Duke. Yeah, I was one of the Duke voters. <laughs> I'll be honest. On all of them, I just voted the team that I didn't think was going to win. Just I wasn't sure if anybody else was going to vote for him, so I was really hoping it would just be like 99-1 to 1 or something like that at the end. Um, but apparently a lot of other people either were like me or they legitimately think Zion Williamson's playing uh, 20 all 22 positions for the Duke Blue Devils on football this year. There were more people <laughs> that voted for Duke to beat Alabama than Houston to beat Oklahoma. That's ridiculous. That's fair. A lot of Bama haters out there. Don't blame them. I'd be surprised. You know, I think Alabama could be winning by 35 at halftime. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, again, Duke has a new quarterback coming in. Uh, they lost a lot of uh, a lot of good players from their team last year, and their team last year wasn't even that you know great. Um 
And Bama is Bama. They just reload. They've got one of the top two quarterbacks in college football this year. Top three quarterbacks, I should say, in college football this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I the, these, the Clemson and Bama games, I'm probably just, to be honest with you, I'm probably just going to pick them every time to cover whatever the score is. Um, and this is another situation where I'm definitely rolling with Bama. Just to beat them, probably, you know, 45 to, you know, six or something like that. Maybe Duke scores a field goal. They usually have pretty decent kickers. Um, They're pretty smart. Yeah, good soccer program down there. I assume they just transfer guys over. Um, so, yeah, I'll roll with Bama to, to cover on that as well. I I really wanted to pick Duke to cover this one, Do but it. I just I can't bring myself to because – uh, Duke lost their their uh, star quarterback to the Giants, so star, right? Um, <laughs> Put some uh, aster- asterisks around that. Or I, I did air quotes, air quotes, but nobody could see them. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah, but he's really good in the preseason against backup. So right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. The fact that he got blown out by Wake Forest last year. Well, that's not relevant. Don't don't worry about those games. Uh, yeah, I just can't. I can't pick Duke, even though it's thirty-five and like half the time when Bama has a massive spread like that, they just decide they eh, I don't want to cover. So, see, I'm my still opinion pick on them. that changes because we've seen not so much with Clemson because they had Deshaun Watson, but like Bama always had like game manager quarterback, so it was always kind of like well. You know, once they get up by four or five touchdowns or whatever, they'll probably you know, throw in their backups or whatever, and, and they won't like steamroll. Like with two of their now having a legitimate, you know, dead ass accurate quarterback and stuff in there. That I mean, for me, it's like now I'm picking Alabama to cover whatever it is up to like fifty, just because they the talent's there. I mean, they got the best one of the best quarterbacks in college football. They have probably the best wide receiver in college football. Um, and a bunch of other talented receivers around them, good running backs, good offensive line. Like, is Duke going to get a single pressure on Tua in this game? Um, can Duke's offensive line hold up against uh, Bama's defense? Uh, There's so many question marks there that I just don't know if Duke can contend with them. I don't think Duke makes a bowl game this year, let alone gets within 35 points of Alabama in the final score. So... But don't worry, Alabama scheduled a, scheduled a Power 5 team. Who? I mean, they scheduled oh, Duke. Duke. I <laughs> forgot Duke is in the ACC, honestly. I My long remembrance of Duke is just that they've always been horrible up until Cutcliffe came there, so that's kind of just where I'm stuck at with Duke forever. Um, let's move on. Um, Northwestern at number 25, Stanford here. Um, Stanford is a six and a half point favorite at home. This is Saturday, Fox at 4 p.m. Um, this one, I'm just going to go ahead and take Stanford just because they're the home dog. It's cross country, cross country trip for Northwestern. Northwestern obviously gets Hunter Johnson. And there's probably the most high profile quarterback, um, they've had at least in recent memory, but I, he hasn't seen the field. Um, I don't know what to expect from him. And I just think going cross-country like that's kind of got to screw with the team uh, at least a little bit. Um, 
So I'm going to go with Stanford here. I'll rock with the the Cardinal, the big tree. Uh, I'm not huge on the six and a half, but I feel confident enough that they can win by a touchdown that I'll take it. Uh, I probably wouldn't go. I'd probably take Northwestern if I saw it anywhere from seven and a half or under or or over. So roll with Stanford here for me. Uh, what about you, intern Gibble? Uh, see, I think on this one, I might actually go with uh, Northwestern. I think. Got to rock the Big Ten. Yeah, I think I think they're gonna cover. Um, I think that the uh, Stanford lost a lot on offense, and I think Northwestern can go in there and upset, even though it's week one. So I'm That's gonna fair. I'm, I'm gonna roll with Northwestern, and yeah. Obviously, they're going to cover if they win. So, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously, how that's how math works. Uh, I kind of like Northwestern straight up as well. Uh, I kind of like them to go out there and win. I think Hunter Johnson is going to be huge for this Northwestern team. Uh, even though they listed him as the co-starter, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure rough. Hunter Johnson is going to be the starter. I'd be stunned if he doesn't take at least 70% of the snaps on Saturday. Uh, and you know, Pat I mean, that, I wouldn't lie. That does kind of worry me, though. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald apparently started listed Clayton Thorson and this other guy as co-starters last year, and then Clayton Thorson took almost every snap the entire season. So, but Pat Fitzgerald, I believe he's a top ten coach because you know, ten years ago Northwestern was nothing, and then Pat Fitzgerald has turned them into a consistent eight, nine, ten game winner. I like them on the road. They made a big 10 title game last year. I mean, after losing three of their four non or <laughs> all three of their non-conference games. Um, no, that and that's a good one. Like I said, I'm not huge on that six and a half point line. I'm going on this based largely on them going cross country. And I hear what you're saying about the Clayton Thorson thing and Hunter Johnson. It always worries me when a coach isn't going to just outright say this guy won the job because it, it sounds to me like. This guy wasn't super great, and he's going to play a lot, but I don't know. Um, so that kind of worries me a bit. I like KJ Costello a lot. Uh, they have Walker Little, who's a going to probably end up being one of the first tackles taken in the draft next year. Um, the, my big worry is Stanford's defense was not a typical Stanford defense last year. Uh, but, again, Northwestern was not very good on our non-conference schedule early on last season and it might end up being the exact same this season. Um, so I'll roll with Stanford um, to, to cover the six and a half and win that game. Um, let's move on to the game of the week. We have number 16 Auburn versus number 11 Oregon. This is taking place in Dallas, Texas. Um and Auburn is three and a half point favorites on this in this game. It is on Saturday, ABC at 7:30, the uh, big ABC game of the week. Um, I'll pass this over to you, Jake. Uh, I guess kind of started on this game. Uh, Justin Herbert, obviously going to be huge for this game. Auburn starting a true freshman, Bo Nix, against Oregon, which is, I guess you could say, pretty crucial. Um, He's a true freshman, going to be playing against some guys who have been playing for a couple years. Uh, I really like the experience of Justin Herbert over Bo Nix because if this game is close, 
you're going to be starting a true freshman compared to Justin Herbert, who is a redshirt junior, I believe. Uh, and the experience of just starting for, you know, more than Bo Nix has. You know, he was a starter all last season, and I think he was even starter before that as well. Um, just having that experience late in the games, when, you know, playing in these big games um, is going to be vital. Uh, it's helpful for Bo Nix that it's a neutral site, so the crowd won't be as much of a factor because... It'll probably be largely in the favor of Auburn, too. Yeah, and it won't be that loud either way because obviously Auburn and Oregon are not close to Dallas. Um, so I I like Oregon to actually win this game. What about you, Intern Gibble? I I'm feeling the same way. I like I like Oregon. I'm kind of high on Oregon this year. Um, both teams actually bring back their entire starting offensive lines, so that's kind of interesting to watch. Um, they, both will have experience protecting their quarterbacks. Um, so you mean Oregon won't probably have ten sacks? Eh, probably not. I mean, it, that depends. Miami. That depends on if uh, Bo Nix can get rid of the ball if he is getting pressured. That'll be a big thing. Don't worry, um, the curb let us know if he's not. True, true. We will. We will <laughs> definitely will be say informed. It about Ten thousand times. Yeah. Good old Kirk. Um. <laughs> um, I think. I think. Um. Also, the wide receivers for Oregon. They've got three experienced guys coming back. I think just all around the experience on offense. I think for the Ducks is going to overpower uh, Auburn. And I think Oregon's going to come in and win. Yeah, I'm going to roll with Oregon too. Love Justin Herbert. Um, For a while there, I was thinking about Auburn. Um, Just, I'm not entirely sure what to see out of both teams. I mean, for Herbert, it's going to largely come down to whether his receivers can hold on to the football and catch the ball. Um, that was our big issue on offense last year. Uh, they're going to need to get the run game going a little bit better as well. But um, like you mentioned, Jake, it, it, I, for me it comes down to the quarterback play. I have no idea what to expect out of Bo Nix. Um, I know I'm very excited about Gus Malzahn calling plays again. Um, but the first game, a big game, we saw it with Miami last week starting a, a freshman quarterback. Uh, I'm just not buying into that. Uh, I'll take the seasoned veteran senior who's played in some big games already, uh, and I'll take Oregon to at least cover that that three and a half. I think at worst maybe they lose by a field goal here. Um, I don't feel super comfortable with Auburn um, going higher than a field goal. If it was like two and a half, maybe I'd rule Auburn there. Um I think it'll be a close game. It's going to be certainly interesting to watch. Um, and I'm going to be definitely keeping an eye on Justin Herbert uh, just in case he ends up becoming the Dolphins quarterback next year. Um, so, yeah, I'll take Oregon plus three and a half as well with you guys uh, for that game. Before we move on, I'll let you guys change your Duke picks if you want. Alabama running backs Najee Harris and Brian Robinson we suspended for the first half of the game against Duke. Do you want to change your picks? Whoa. Oh no! So, so are they gonna have to roll with three of their other five-star running backs? Shocks. <laughs> well, wait. Don't forget. Uh, wasn't it Trey Sermon? Is that their other he running plays back? For Oklahoma. Oh nope. Yep, wrong guy. Trey Sanders. It was Trey. There you go. Uh, my bad. He also is going to miss the entire season. So that's their third-string running back. 
So they're going to so, have to roll with like four and five. Oh, no, shucks. Two is going to have to throw the ball. They're just going to run five the entire first half. Shucks, man. Can't believe it. <laughs> they're just throw five wide and throw it to the ridiculous receivers for every single half. play. Yeah, yeah, they're just going to score mean, crazy fast. They'll run 30 <laughs> offensive plays. There will be 30, pass, 30 passes from Tua. He'll go 27 to 30 for 350 yards and seven touchdowns. I, I mean... <laughs> that makes me think it's going to get worse. If they're just throwing the ball instead of running it, it's oh, just going to get worse. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be so much because worse. Even when, yeah, because then the, the clock stops after a first down. So like, <laughs> it's, it's going to be longer that you have to watch Bama, too. So And his three uh, incompletions, the clock stops then, too. Yeah. Oh darn! So, Chucks, I'm gonna still roll with Bama to to cover that 35. I think yeah, that, I think it actually gets worse now. <laughs> yeah, I uh, agree. <laughs> all right, next on the docket here, probably a less interesting game that none of us are gonna tune into. We have number three Georgia uh, on the road facing Vanderbilt. SEC play right out of the gate for both of these schools. This is Saturday on the SEC Network at 7:30. Um, Georgia is a 21 and a half point favorite, and I'm just going to get it out of the way. I'm taking Georgia to cover that 21 and a half. Uh, yeah, Georgia's going to win by like 35 or 40 points. Like, take all my money. Man, you love Jeff Collins. To sit here and take Georgia Tech to cover 36, <laughs> but you think Bama steamrolls Duke, and you think Georgia just mops the floor of the Vanderbilt. That is some straight temple bias. <laughs> come, come Shout out our formal temper, temple coach. He's only going to lose like 35 points, though. <laughs> that extra point was too much. And he was like, I'm not willing to put it down. Jeff Collins ain't, Jeff Collins ain't never lost a game by 36 points. Watch them <laughs> lose 42 to 7. <laughs> Pro- probably. It's going to piss me off if they only if Clemson only wins by 35 points. It really is. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. Anyway, back to this game. So you think Georgia's going to mop the floor with Vanderbilt? Yeah, this game's going to be over by halftime. Vanderbilt is intriguing to me. I don't think they're going to be very good this year, but they do have a few offensive weapons. Jared Pinkley, the tight end. Uh, Lipscomb, the wide receiver, who, shout out to him, he's on my fantasy team, please show out this week. Um, it sucks that I have you in week one against Georgia. Um, but uh, they definitely have some offensive weapons. They're running back from drawing, um, uh, his last name is Vaughn. I'm drawing a blank. Keyshawn Vaughn. That's his name. Uh, so they have weapons on offense, I'll give them that. Um, if any of those guys can kind of break out into the space, uh, it'll be a closer one. Georgia... Um, it's hard to say that they're a team that they replace a lot of their wide receiver core. I just think they're three touchdowns better than Vanderbilt, um, so I'll kind of roll with them. But I, I am, I don't think it's. I think it could end up being closer than the experts think. I am going to be slightly bold, and I'm thinking Vanderbilt's going to cover. Um, That's very bold. Yeah, I think. I, they they have a little bit more offensive weapons. Um, last year at home, they didn't really get blown out um, by any teams. Um, they did lose to Georgia by 32 last year, um, but that was on the road. Um, I think 
the Georgia loses DeAndre Baker and DeAndre Walker on defense, I think Vanderbilt has enough uh, talent on offense that they'll be able to score some points. No chance they win, but I think that they're going to keep it within three touchdowns. So I Man, think they're going to cover. If Vanderbilt wins this game, uh, that'll flip the whole season on its head. That would be ridiculous. Sure. Um, that would, outside of winning the SEC title game, I think that would effectively, I don't want to say it would eliminate Georgia, but that would put them in quite the hole. Um, if this was a March Madness bracket, that would just be a bracket buster. That'd be like a 14 seed beating a 3 seed. Um, Georgia's ranked number three in the country out of 125, 130 schools. That is a 16 over a one. Well, Vanderbilt's not a 16 seed. That's what I'm saying. That's why. That's why I made it a, a 14 a, three. I'd go to a two and 15 maybe. Um, yeah, that's probably closer. That's probably yeah. But I don't know. It's closer. Uh, I would certainly be shocked if Vanderbilt won. But like I said, I mean they have offensive weapons. I don't know how their quarterback situation is this season. Uh, I. Th- think they got Riley Neal from Ball State. That's not a great sign that you're taking Mac quarterbacks, I guess. Um, but I don't know if he's the starter or who the starter is for Vanderbilt. I haven't really checked into that. But, yeah, I'll roll with Georgia. I think they're three better. I think if this was maybe up towards 28, I'd probably lean more towards Vanderbilt there, especially being at home. But I'll roll with Georgia there. Um, getting into the one that I know Jake probably wants to talk about the most. Yes. Um, based on the Twitter account this week. Uh, we have Boise State traveling on the road uh, to a <laughs> neutral site game. In Jacksonville. Uh, in Jacksonville to play Florida State. So make sense of that, if you will. Um, Florida State is a five-and-a-half point favorite. This game is Saturday night on ESPN at 7 o'clock, so it's a very good doubleheader to watch with the Auburn-Oregon game. Um, I... Jake, I'll, I'm just going to let you have it. Um, have the floor. I know you want to talk about this one. Should the game get played, because there is a tropical storm going to hit Florida this weekend. Is it a hurricane or a tropical storm? Tropical storm, but apparently Play Boise... the damn game. <laughs> I agree. Dumb, dumb question. Move on. I agree. Play the game. <laughs> it won't be that bad. Only winds of like 70 miles an hour. You can kick, a f- you can kick an extra point in that. Kick, kick it hard it. left, it'll go to the right. See, if the kickers have it at their back, they can kick it like a 65-yard field goal. Are you kidding? 70-mile 70 wins, you can kick a 90-yard field goal if you really wanted to. Okay, go for <laughs> it. Anyways, I am huge on the Boise State bandwagon, and I don't think Willie Taggart is that good of a coach. I have Boise State winning this straight up. I have Boise State winning by seven points. Um, Boise is starting a freshman, and I don't care. I know I just <laughs> talked about how Bo Dix is a freshman, but I don't care. Boise State traveling cross-country to play a, uh, air quotes, <laughs> neutral site game with a freshman quarterback uh, and a fresh running back and fresh everything on that entire team. This is more of an indictment on Willie Taggart that he took them straight up like that. Um which I don't blame you. I've talked to a lot of people. I know a lot of people think that Boise's going to win this game. Uh, a lot of that based on Florida State. Um, intern Gibble, what's your what's your opinion on this game? Uh, I I don't know. Both teams. Well, Florida State's bad. Boise State is a solid team. Can they go across the country and win? Uh, yes, they I, can. I, 
I, it's weird, but I'm gonna go with it. We're gonna we're gonna take them to go into Florida State and pull off something because Florida State it's was not in Florida State. It's in Jackson. I, yeah, no, it is still. in Florida State though. It's it in the state of, Florida, state of Florida. So <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> it's all it's all encompassing. They were they. they they won five games last. Florida State won five games last year. It's just I don't. We're going Boise State just just for the heck of it. I don't think James Blackman is that good. I really wish they had started Horny He's Brook. Horny Brook could have been the Heisman Brook this year. It could have been great, but they decided to go with James Blackman. If it was Horny Brook, my I think my opinion would change. No, it wouldn't have mine. If Hank. Hornybrook was, I like Blackman more than Hornybrook, and I've heard a lot of people in the last week, different podcasts I listened to, um, tell me that they think Hornybrook should have started, and I'm just like, what? Like, whatever crack you're on, keep it away from me because I don't want any drug that tells me that Alex Hornybrook is better than James Blackman. <laughs> and I don't think James Blackman's that great. I think Alex Hornybrook is not very good at all. I think he is at best a backup. Um, so I think they made the right choice. It kills me to sit here and listen to you guys go to Boise State knowing I'm going to go Florida State here to cover. Um, Hank Batchmeyer is going to lead a game-winning drive. I just, like, five and a half seems like a lot to me. I'm so torn on this game. Um, and I really haven't put all that much thought into it quite yet. I'm going to go Florida State here to cover. I think... There's just more talent on that team. If Chris Peterson was still the head coach of Boise, I'd roll with Boise here. I just, uh, a freshman quarterback coming in and starting from Boise State traveling cross country. They usually play pretty well in these games. I think they're going to be very good in the Mountain West Conference this season. But I think Florida State just has more talent. I think they are going to certainly have the home field advantage there. You can tell me that they have 50-50 percentage of tickets all you want. I We all know that's bullshit. Um, Most Boise fans probably don't even know where Florida No, they know where Florida is. They just probably have never been there. There's and, no and flights it, from Boise to Florida. It kills me, but this, I mean, this is really going to decide how I view Florida State the rest of the season. Typically when I take, typically when I bet on any team I hate, um, to do successful, they lose and lose me money and stuff in the progress. So we'll see how that rolls. I'm going with Florida State. I, again, I don't like their quarterback situation, but at least Blackman has experience. Um, it's a home game for them. I'll take Florida State. I think they're going to be a little bit better than they were last year. I th- still think Willie Taggart stinks as a head coach. Maybe subconsciously I'm picking him to win this game so that they'll keep Willie Taggart around like at least one day longer. Um, so I'm going to roll with Florida State to cover the five and a half and win the game outright. I think my laundry weighs more than James Blackman. Uh, he's a lanky dude, I'll tell you that much. He's he's listed as 185 pounds, and coming out of high school, he's listed as 163. Whew. Dude needs to, you know, eat some McDonald's. Well, you could tell by like watching the game on Saturday, you could really kind of tell that he wasn't at full weight yet. But the starting tackle for Miami, he was a two-star prospect because he weighed, he was a left tackle, but he weighed like 250 pounds out of high school. That's um, small. He added 30, so he's only at 280 still. And you could tell watching him play against the defensive line for Florida, like he was not at a full like. 
what you'd expect the left tackle to look like. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I hadn't seen the guy, but I was like, that's big old yikes. Um, anyway, let's move on. Uh, well, real fast before that, the tropical storm thing. I'm in favor of teams playing through hurricanes at this point. Because a few years ago, I, I hate Arkansas State fans with a passion. Um, <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. When Miami canceled that game a few years ago, I think two years ago, they were supposed to travel to Arkansas State to play a game in at Arkansas State for some reason. They canceled because they weren't going to the hurricane hitting Miami or whatever. And there was just an influx of Arkansas State fans on Twitter that were saying that the hur- the Miami Hurricanes were scared to play the Red Wolves of Arkansas State. Um, <laughs> and that's why they that's why they canceled the game. Not because Miami players have family and stuff in Florida and they wanted to stay with family and stuff during a, a Category 4 hor- hurricane, but because they were scared of the 7th-ranked Sunbelt team um, in the conference. And ever since then, screw it, stop canceling games, just play through the damn hurricane so I can not listen to dumb fans on Twitter um, talk their stupid shit. Um, I think I'd just be more scared of actually going to Arkansas and not being able to leave. That's fair as well. Um, let's move on here. we got two more games to cover. Uh, we'll transition the Sunday game. ABC 730. This one is going to be a fun one to watch. We have Houston traveling to Norman, Oklahoma to play the number four ranked Oklahoma Sooners. And the Sooners are 22.5 point favorites here um, in a game that I feel like is probably going to be pretty heavy on the offense. Uh, both teams had pretty awful defenses last year. Uh, dynamic playmaker on Houston uh, named De'Ara King at quarterback. They have several weapons around him that will help him. Uh, and obviously Dan Holgerson stepping in um, to start his coaching career there. What do you think, intern Gibble? Who you got in this game? Well... I said during the uh, ACC American preview that uh, Houston was good enough to be a playoff team. That was foolish, but um, I still I think you said <laughs> at least you yeah. acknowledge it. Oh yeah, it was dumb. Um, but I th- I still think they're a good team. Um, I think Dana Holgerson coming in, he's he's going to be a good coach for them. Um, I like Dear King enough that I think that they will cover. Um, but at Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma is going to win it. Um, I can see them winning by a cool three touchdowns. Um, but they're not going to cover that 22.5, so they're going to get to 21. Oh, you're not that my methodology here? I am. I am indeed. Oh, well, they're going to win. At most. At me. most. Honestly, I think, I think Houston, I mean, both defenses are notably not good. Um, well, Houston's is more unproven than anything. Oklahoma just had a bad defense last year. I think Houston will be able to put up enough points. It could turn into a shootout, but I think Oklahoma pulls away and wins it. Uh, I am super excited. Hammer the over. Over, I think I saw, was 82 or something like that. Oh, absolutely hammer that. Hammer it. Hammer it. Stop you could, down. You, this might hit 100 points. This could be like a... 50-something to high 30s game. This could get almost to 100 points. I'm excited. I I like how you said this could get to 100 points and then gave me 80 points. or No. <laughs> if it's 59 to 38, that's almost 100 points. It's like 96 points. Um, well, you're close, but not quite there. 
<laughs> Fine, it'll be a 60-41 to 41 game for you. So, I think Houston's going to cover. I think points are going to be scored every three minutes. Uh, if we don't hit the over, I'm going to be disappointed because I have expectations that this game is going to be wild. Uh, I think Garrett King is going to you know, show out and he's going to have a really good game. I'm curious what Jalen Hurts does because I don't think he's quite the thrower that either Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield were under Lincoln Riley. So I think we're going to see more designate or design QB runs with uh, Jalen Hurts. But they do have some studs there at wide receiver with CeeDee Lamb and whatnot. And, you know, all they got to do is get the ball in CeeDee Lamb's hands and he can make some magic happen. It's not like he has to throw precision routes for CeeDee Lamb to do some stuff. Um, but I think Oklahoma is going to win. Uh, but Houston covers, I think they win by 17 points or so. Alrighty, I'm going to roll with Oklahoma, and here's why. I mentioned earlier about Hawaii and my thought on them from last season at the very beginning of the year. When I look at this, spread's about the exact same. I think back to a little game earlier in the season last year um, where, you know, got out of bed in the morning, took a shower, um, got in my car, I went down to the train station, sat there, I waited... 12 o'clock came around, and I hopped right on the lane train. 22 22 points or whatever for FAU. Thought they'd cover against Oklahoma, and I was freaking wrong. I'm rolling with Oklahoma to do the same thing this year um, after I lost out big on them last year. So I'm going to roll with Oklahoma to cover this. Um, It is a lot of points for a shootout. I like Oklahoma to have a more improved defense than Houston um, with the hiring of Alex Alex Grinch out there. Um, And I think that they have defensive talent. I think it's just whether they can get good coaching for it. So I expect their defense to be improved at least a little bit going into this, while Houston's probably is not going to be very improved, uh, especially with that Oliver gone. So I'm going to roll with Oklahoma to to cover the 22.5, and and I think you're looking at probably like a 56 maybe. 56 to like 21 maybe something like that in that area yeah sounds fair and the last game here probably the least exciting game of the weekend that we'll talk about um i'd probably rather watch georgia vanderbilt if we're being honest but this one is monday on espn at eight o'clock the labor day game Number nine, Notre Dame travels on the road to play perennial ACC power Louisville. And I say that sarcastically because Louisville stinks. Um, Notre Dame is a 20-point favorite here. This is another one of those big lines. And I just keep biting on it. Until I see more, I'm basing everything off of what I saw last season between teams. And I'm just going to go ahead and put it down on the book. I'm taking Notre Dame to cover the 20. I just don't see a lot of talent with Louisville right now. I've said it before. I think Jawan Pass stinks. Um, so I don't really expect him to be very good. I don't expect really anybody on this Louisville team to be very good, to be honest with you. Um, and I think Notre Dame just has a lot of superior talent all over the field at every position. Um, and I think they could easily, even if this game ends up being like 21 nothing, uh, covering this. So I think Notre Dame's going to cover because if you look at the last five games for Louisville last year, I understand it's a different coach now. Uh, 
But the start of their last five games was Wake Forest, 56-35, Clemson, 77-16, Syracuse, 54-23, NC State, 52-10, and Kentucky, 56-10. So they gave up 56 or 40, 54 or more points, 52 or more points, my bad, in their last five games. Notre Dame doesn't have that good of an offense, but neither did NC State or Wake Forest. So I'm sure they made some changes on defense. I'm guessing not going to give up 50 points, but I'm not that confident in Louisville scoring more than 17 or 20. Um, but screw it, we'll take Louisville to cover. I know, I just contradicted my entire self, but <laughs> I just okay. contradicted my entire self. But the more I thought about it, I was like, eh, Notre Dame, Ian Pass isn't that good. Um, Ian, Ian Book? Yeah. <laughs> you just, you made Jawan pass and Ian, Ian Book. You just, you're just like, screw it, Ian, Ian passed the ball. <laughs> and he does. Yeah, he does, he does pass the ball. Uh, Louisville to cover. I don't know really have a good reason why other than, you know, gut. Okay. <laughs> I just, I don't agree with that. I think the talent is just so far apart for Notre Dame and Louisville. I think Brian Kelly's good enough at recruiting that their, their talent level at Notre Dame is a whole lot higher than it is at Louisville. I don't see really anyone that's going to get them points so I think I think this like it I think the fans leave Louisville by the third quarter at the latest. Uh well whatever fans are there cuz I mean I would guess yeah. that there's going to be a decent Notre Dame contingency out there. Yeah, they travel stupid well. Well, that's cuz they're everywhere across the country. Literally everywhere. That's that's what it comes down to. If you're Catholic, you root for Notre Dame. Exactly. I guess I don't know. Um, that's a fact. I'll take your word for it. Um, so that's all we got for this week's episode. Oh, we have uh, one question. Oh, what's the question? The one question was from CFB Road Warrior, and he asked which ranked team is most likely to take the L in Week One. And then he had to say excluding Auburn and Oregon, and he said his contenders were Utah, Wisconsin, and Stanford. Um, that's fair. I'd mentioned before I wasn't super confident in that Stanford pick. Um, so that's a fair one. I still like them at home, uh, against a cross country opponent. Uh, Utah's an interesting one. Um, I mean, it's technically a road game, but you know, BYU and Utah, um, being close to home. Wisconsin playing, uh, on the road at South Florida will be an interesting game. Outside of that, the only real one that crosses my mind would be Duke and Bama? Um, no, Florida Atlantic beating Ohio State possibly. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, get out of here. Ride that, ride that lane train, baby. Um, you know, there's not a ton of teams playing super hard opponents. Um, I had mentioned it in Jess the other day that you know Penn State always gets crap for scheduling bad non-conference teams, and now they officially play the first team in college football history to demote itself to the football uh, FCS in Idaho this week. So that continues that great streak that they have. But outside of the games we talked about, I don't see much that could even really be possible. Um, I'll throw one out here just on a whim. 
Iowa and Miami of Ohio because Iowa always figures out a way to make these games much closer than they should be. Uh, you know, they've lost to like Northern Iowa. They have lost to MAC teams in the past. I could see this game being much closer just because of Kirk Ferentz. It's possible. I'm more skeptical on that strictly because I don't think Miami, Ohio, like if that was like Ohio, maybe. I don't think Miami, Ohio is all that great. Um, so I think Iowa's fine there. But that is one that like Iowa always getting out of the gate is always slow, especially on offense. Um, so that'll be an interesting one. If I had to sit here, uh, gun to head and pick one, I'd probably go st- Wisconsin just because it's a road game. South Florida has a lot of talent, but they've not quite been able to put all of it together um, in recent years. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I think Blake Barnett's still there at the quarterback position. I could be wrong on that. Uh, former Alabama transfer. Um, so they have talent there at South Florida. If they can put it all together, even for just one game against a Wisconsin team who uh, is starting a still young quarterback in Jack Cohn. Um, obviously, they still have a really tremendous running back in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but that'll be an interesting one to watch for sure. Um, and that would likely be my pick if I had to pick any team. Intern? I'm just going to stick with my Northwestern pick. I still think Northwestern goes in to Stanford and comes out with a victory. But what I'd love to see is uh, Idaho beating Penn State or Middle Tennessee beating Michigan. But that's just a purely biased standpoint. I'd take Middle Tennessee over Michigan. Love it. But most likely, my guess is still Northwestern beat Stanford. Yeah, the other one, that, I mean, BYU could pull it out against Utah as well, but, I mean, I think, I think the most likely is Northwestern. Cool. All right, <laughs> folks. Well, that's, um, again, every week uh, we'll kind of throw it out there, uh, ask some questions. Um, and we'll answer them at the end of the show. Uh, we'll be back next week talking about these games plus a variety of other things that happen in week one here. Sure, there will be a lot of interesting things, probably one or two upsets maybe um, if we're fortunate. Um, maybe unfortunate if you're it's your team, <clears throat> Ohio State. Um, Get out so, of here. <laughs> so we'll see you guys next week for our week two preview, week one wrap-up. Um, Shoot your questions at us when Jake posts the questions on our Twitter account. Uh, Subscribe to us. Give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Uh, We'll be back next week with a brand-new episode. Uh, Have fun watching college football, everybody.